Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Encore. I'm your host, Tony Franchetti. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the GIA Coral Subscription Service. Your subscription contains about 120 titles in three mailings over a one-year period. With each packet, you'll receive approximately 40 octavos along with two CDs containing recordings of all the titles in the packet. The convenient informational insert offers helpful suggestions for liturgical and topical uses. Retail value of each packet is $50, but you pay only $45 for all three mailings. Subscribe today to begin enjoying our popular choral subscription service. To order, visit www.giamusic.com or call 1-800-442-1358. And with that, I'm excited to welcome on our guests for today's episode, renowned composer, author, violinist, and podcast host, Zach Stachowski. Zach, thank you very much for taking some time to come on the show this morning. How are things with you? Uh, doing okay. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. Of course. Mm-hmm. So we'll start out with kind of an easy question, kind of how we start off a lot of the interviews here on the show. Just can you tell our, our listeners a little bit of background information about your your roots and upbringing, just kind of how you got to where you are today? Well, I guess, uh, you know, musically speaking, um, my mom, especially my parents, always said that I demonstrated an inclination toward music. My mom likes to say it was the only thing that would calm me down. Uh, And so uh, at the age of three, I was enrolled in our local uh, Suzuki violin program, and that's where music began for me. Fast forward to about seventh or eighth grade, I think, I was asked to play for a cousin's wedding, and this happened to be at uh, a parish uh, that was a little bit further than the one that we had been going to, and... um, the music director there uh, asked me to start playing. That was Steve Petronak. Um, yeah. Who, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's what started my love of music ministry. Um, and then just a variety of other, you know, attending conferences and doing all of that. Music ministry was always part of my life, even though I went to school for violin uh, fully expecting to go down the road of, you know, classical music in, in some capacity, but uh, music ministry was always something in my life. And then it ended up really knocking on the door when I graduated undergrad. And that's when I uh, accepted my first position as a director of music in a suburb outside of Detroit and mm-hmm. have been doing that ever since. Yeah, that's excellent. So you were three years old when you first picked up the violin? Yeah, and I, I should tell people when they hear that they 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 think that like I was like some sort of prodigy. I sounded really bad for a very long time. <laughs> um, and actually, you know, with the Suzuki method, when you're three, you don't even start with an actual violin. Um, mm-hmm. I had a little crackerjack box with a ruler for the fingerboard and a stick as a bow to start. So you know auspicious beginnings yeah that was the first instrument though that you that you picked up yep that's right yeah very cool when i was you know preparing for our interview i i definitely wanted to figure out how you first you know picked up the violin for sure (laughs) that's interesting so you uh you co-host the successful and popular open your hymnal podcast along with matt reichert who i work with very closely here at gia Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you just talk a little bit about how you guys came up with the idea and I guess, you know, just the process of launching the podcast? Well, the podcast has been on a bit of a hiatus. Um, I think, you know, pandemic 
just shot us off in all sorts of directions. Um, and so I hope that uh, we'll be getting back to that soon. We have a lot of amazing interviews uh, in the can. And so I hope to get those produced soon. So for any Open Your Hymnal listeners out there, don't fret. We hope to be back at it soon. Uh, but the idea came, I think it was like 2017. Matt and I have been good friends for a long time. And one of our frequent topics of conversation was always like, what podcast are you listening to now? I know at the time we were listening to the West Wing Weekly podcast, which was like a West Wing rewatch podcast. Mm -hmm. And we were always just so excited about that and what they were doing and what all podcasters were doing through the medium. And then, you know, that eventually led to conversations about like, if we were to have a podcast, what would it be about? And of course, our much of our shared common ground is in the field of liturgical music. And we thought, right. wouldn't it be cool to start telling the stories of some of these songs that have been uh, sung in our assemblies for, you know, these past several decades, these songs that have come to be uh, beloved by so many. And so over a, uh, actually several plates of dumplings in Anaheim, California, <laughs> when we were there for the LA Religious Ed Conference, uh, we started mapping out uh, the first ideas of the podcast. And uh, that's, that's what it ended up becoming. Yeah. And how, how long ago was that when you guys first launched? I think that was like 2017. Okay. Yeah. yeah so cool. So you are the first uh, podcast host that I've had on on this podcast. So that's that's <laughs> well, cool. welcome. It's a <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a small and fun community. Yeah, I kind of like how you described. You know how you guys kind of organically started the podcast too, just kind of born out of you know you guys listening to different podcasts and enjoying that. That's kind of how this idea was brought upon. You know, I listen to podcasts during the day while I'm working, and just thought, hey, this could be something cool to. Uh, show the, I guess, kind of more human side of all our composers and just show, you know, behind the scenes with G other GIA employees and stuff like that. But it's been a fun ride for sure. It's definitely enjoyable. Yeah, I really appreciate what you're doing for, for GIA and, you know, just bringing awareness uh, about everything that's going on through this podcast. So, you know, thanks a lot for this, Tony. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. So I know you had, uh, you know, a lot of great guests on, on the show, but looking back, I, I'm guests that have came through open your hymnal. What are some interviews that kind of stand out in your mind while looking back? Um, there, there are a couple uh, really great moments that I think we had. Uh, one that always comes to mind first for me was uh, an interview with the great Carrie Landry and him talking about his work in hospice care was uh, particularly moving. And I'll, I'll never forget when we were in the room with uh, Carrie, he happened to be at the same uh, LA Religious Ed Conference. I don't think he knew what a podcast was. I don't think he knew what it was that we were <laughs> asking him to do, but it was, it was just such a lovely time with him. And I remember him just breaking out into song at one point, just like singing to Matt and I, and what a beautiful moment that was. Yeah. Um, I also remember our interview with Jesse Manabusen, um, getting into um, some really deep issues concerning uh, mental health and his own, uh, you know, personal struggle and journey with that. Just I remember just thinking, wow, um, for for listeners to be able to hear this story, uh, so important. And then 
I guess the last one that comes to mind, it wasn't an interview, of course, but we were able to find archival footage of Leon Roberts uh, Mm. speaking um, at various conferences and conventions. And for an episode that we did exploring some of the roots of Black Catholic music, we were able to put together uh, some of that footage. And it was just amazing. I, I have loved his music for, for a long time, but this was the first time I really got to hear him speak. And so putting that together was a really amazing moment as well. Definitely. It's great. In addition to your podcast and of course your composing and your life as a music minister, you're also the co-director of the One Call Institute. I'm sure uh, the majority of our listeners are familiar with the One Call Institute, but for those that aren't, could you just give a little bit of background of what it is and just kind of your vision for the program? Yeah. The mission of the One Call Institute is that we seek to form young people and their advocates to live the call of the gospel through the ministries of music, prayer, and social justice. So um, in its original form and what we hope to be its continued form, Uh, It has been a six-day retreat slash institute slash music camp that happens on the campus of St. John's in Collegeville. Uh, We bring in uh, musicians and clinicians, theologians from all over the country uh, to work with young people and their adult advocates. So the young people go into a track uh, where they'll have sessions with peer ministry, they'll have faith formation, spiritual formation, and also a lot of musical formation. At the end of the week, the youth participants uh, do a concert of liturgical music, um, and we end the week. Uh, the The apex of the celebration is our Sunday Eucharist together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the adult advocates do a similar track, learning things uh, parallel to the same thing that uh, the youth participants are learning and studying and talking about so that when they go back to their uh, parishes and communities together, they have some common ground in the experience, some things to build on. Uh, We had two amazing summers. Our community, generally over 100 participants, uh, including uh, the faculty that we bring, and of course, just like everything else, um, 2020 got canceled um, right. due to the pandemic. And so uh, this summer in 2021, we're uh, focusing on smaller regional events where we're bringing a mini uh, one call experience to three cities this summer so far, and just trying to introduce uh, some more people to the one call experience. We had one in Kansas City. Tomorrow we go to Michigan uh, to to do one there, and then uh, we'll have one in Rochester, Minnesota, um, oh, at yeah. my parish right. uh, in October. And mm-hmm. so we're looking forward to that model, and then we're looking toward 2022 to go back to the campus of St. John's. Uh, what you guys are doing there is is really great. So I'm. Um... Excited to see that you guys are still able to have, you know, a couple of regional events this summer, keep things going, but uh, definitely keeping my, my fingers crossed that you guys are able to, you know, get back to, to normal on campus next year. Cause like I said, you guys are doing a real great thing with one call. Thanks. I think, you know, when I attended things like this as a, as a young person, myself, music camps, 
it was one of the few times in my like high school life where I got to meet and interact with kids who were like me. And that was Mm -hmm. such an amazing confidence builder. And I know, especially in this last year, so many kids have missed out on those things, those places where they really felt like they belonged. And it's, it's definitely been something that I think a lot of people have grieved. So I'm really looking forward to hopefully being able to offer that again um, in the future. Absolutely. I know, you know, a lot of lifelong friendships are, are formed in, you know, uh, programs like that as well. So that's that, like you mentioned, that'll be good for, for um, your participants to get back to so recently, uh, GIA published your newest project, The Seven Last Words of Christ. Could you tell us a little bit about your inspiration for this project and just let our listeners know how it could fit into their parish repertoire? So with The Seven Last Words of Christ, obviously there are many uh, choral settings, instrumental settings of this work. I have always been in love with the string quartet arrangement um, from Franz Josef Haydn. Um, I remember really diving into this work when I was at a string quartet seminar at Stanford University, just reading through these pieces and just being so moved by them. And I thought these would be great pieces for parishes to be able to have as, you know, preludes, um, you know, other times where you might need instrumental music. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to be times when the, you know, quote unquote, seven last words would be appropriate. I mean, the music speaks for itself. But, you know, many parishes don't have access to a string quartet. So I wanted to arrange it for just a solo C instrument and piano, which many parishes do have. I wanted to make it accessible for for instrumentalists to play. It's not too terribly difficult. It may be a little bit out of the reach of like true beginners, but I think with some practice, most people could reach it. And then, Mm -hmm. of course, with uh, the pandemic and uh, choirs not being able to sing, um, assembly singing being discouraged for the most part, a lot of places turned to instrumental music uh, for use in their services. So it seemed like the time was right. I had had this arrangement of Seven Last Words of Christ uh, for a long time, actually several, several years. And the first time I shopped it around, uh, no one was interested at the time. But I think because of uh, the, the new emphasis on instrumental music, it was actually Alan Hammerding who reached out to me because I was doing a performance of this mm-hmm. uh, arrangement, and he wanted to use it at his parish. And then I said, you know, at the time, I said, you know, would WLP be interested in this? And then so I started working with Alan and Keith Columba on developing the arrangement. And then uh, when GIA acquired WLP, you know, we kept working on it. And then it then it ended up finally getting published. And I'm really excited about uh, this piece. Keith was amazing to work with. Um, His editorial suggestions were really helpful and I think helped to make the work really accessible and just really, really polished in its its final rendering. Definitely. And of course, that uh, The Seven Last Words of Christ is now available from GIA. Uh, You could search that in the search bar on the website. You could either search it by the title or you could search it by product number. And that product number is 10445. I know in in addition to uh, your work 
with the seven last words of Christ, you've also been doing some work uh, in our Unbound series with Adam Tice, which uh, we're offering, you know, individual hymns for for PDF download. How, how has that process been going for you so far? I've really loved this process because I've really, um, I've really been enjoying working with Adam, mm-hmm. just seeing where he comes from on his approach to writing hymn tunes and like how he guides the process and making sure that the music uh, lifts the text um, in the best way that it can. I don't remember what started the email chain, but I remember sending him like last year, maybe almost two years ago, a setting I had written of uh, Jackie Jones's text uh the doors were locked which is like a retelling of the of the uh thomas story and and he he was really excited about it had a great idea of also pairing it with uh the text of i heard the voice of jesus say and so that was a really really cool experience i'm really excited about that hymn tune i think you know people lately when they ask me is there anything that's like the favorite of things that you've written i think this this melody and this chord progression is one of the favorite favorite things I've ever written, and also in the Unbound series, um, I recently set a text by uh, Mary Louise Bringle, "Oh blessed yeah. are you, Christ Jesus said," uh, which I'm also just really excited about. It's a setting of the Beatitudes. Um, I think her take on the text of the Beatitudes is so beautiful, so prayerful, so challenging at times. Um, I'm excited for assemblies to sing it. And I set it in a call and response so that it's immediately singable. You don't need to teach it. It it happens just in small chunks that are um, called and then responded to. And it's kind of like how I thought that maybe, you know, just, I thought the call and response, in addition to just being liturgically practical, I think it also text paints the idea of, you know, Jesus teaching uh, the disciples um, in that yeah. way. So check that one out. I'm really excited about that one, especially if you're in need of a of a setting of the Beatitudes. Yeah, the Unbound series is really great. I know there's a kind of a, a starving for, if you will, of, you know, being able to get those individual PDFs, the digital downloads, and, you know, Adam's doing a, a fantastic job with that series. So that's that's great to hear for sure. Well, yeah, because like for for so many music ministers, I don't know like if everyone knows like all the amazing texts that used to only exist in these like collections oh, yeah. that you'd have to buy, where you'd have to buy like Absolutely. 50 songs or mm-hmm. maybe um, so like texts by Dolores Duffner and Mary Louise Bringle and um, just all these incredible text writers that are now like available to find just the single text. I know when we were doing the work for gather four i was i was like bringing just tons of things from those uh collections and so i'm so excited that they're now accessible in this form right accessible that's that's the word for sure it's funny you mentioned that we used to get you know inquiries from customers all the time just wanting you know one or two individual pieces from a collection like you mentioned and to be able to offer that is is really um it's, it's a good thing for us, for sure, moving forward. Perfectly transitioned us to our next question. You mentioned Gather 4. So I know uh, you're, of course, a member of the Gather 4 Hymnal Committee. That really had to be a, a special experience being on that committee. That was one of the 
most memorable phone calls of my life, I think. I, yeah. you know, um, I remember when Kate and Michael, this was before the pandemic, but they asked to do a video chat. And that was like still kind of like, that was like reserved for like certain things. Like you didn't yeah. just do that all the time back then. And right. I remember being like, oh man, what's going on? I had no idea what that conversation was about to be. And when, when they asked me to serve on the Gather Four committee, you know, they were of course very, very kind and hospitable and like saying, you know, take some time to think about this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, inside I'm screaming, yes, 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 yes of course, <laughs> I'm, of course I'm going to do this. So yeah, that, I mean, that, that's been one of the great honors in my career as a liturgical musician, for sure. Yeah. And you guys really put together just an excellent, an excellent committee as well. We're going to do um, in a couple of weeks here, like a, a preview kind of episode of the Gather for Hymnal. So you don't have to give away uh, too much, but can you give us a quick little kind of behind the scenes insight of the process of putting the hymnal together? I know you guys, you know, met several times to discuss the repertoire and go through that. Yeah, it was a series of, I don't know how many meetings we had, maybe, maybe a dozen, maybe Mm -hmm. slightly less than that. I don't know. But pouring over uh, the repertoire that existed in the hymnals leading up to G Gather 4, and also just exploring uh, the repertoire that's been written since Mm -hmm. Some of the things that have been written, you know, long ago that somehow never found its way into hymnals. And so just the diversity of repertoire that we were able to discuss and really get inside of, that was just an amazing education as a music director myself to get a sense of what people are doing all over the country, what my colleagues um, are doing repertoire wise to really force myself into some different boxes to to explore uh, repertoires that perhaps I uh, had overlooked in the past. Um, but I think what you'll see in Gather Four is a intentional commitment to uh, representation. Definitely, we'll be seeing. Um, and gather for a lot more representation of women composers, which has been sorely neglected in in some of our past hymnals, a lot more uh, from the Black church, a lot more in terms of bilingual options for things, which I think is just really reflective of what our communities are looking like and what the Catholic church, what the Catholic church itself looks like. And so I'm really proud of this hymnal. I can't wait for it to be in the hands of parishioners and I can't wait to to start hearing it get sung. Absolutely. I know there's, you know, a, a ton, ton of excitement over the hymnal. And I know a lot of people at customers at MPM were, you know, as talking with Matt and Kate about excited about it. And GI was certainly lucky to have you on the committee. So that's a great thing. And certainly looking forward to the finished project uh, any, any day now. Next question. So not too long ago, I think just before the, the pandemic began, if I'm not mistaken, you moved from the Baltimore area to Rochester, Minnesota. I guess just how has the move been going for you so far? I know it's always kind of a, you know, a big process to move you know, halfway across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, I, I moved during the pandemic oh, Okay. Um, in the summer. So last summer. Oh, so okay. About, okay. It's been like just over a year now 
Gotcha. I've lived in Rochester. Uh, or I'm sorry, I don't live in Rochester. I work in Rochester. <laughs> I live in uh, Roseville, which is uh, just uh, outside of the Twin Cities. It's actually kind of like right in between the Twin Cities. But, you know, Minnesota has felt like a second home to me for a long time. I've been doing a lot of work here since I was about 16 years old. So it didn't feel like I was like coming out to an entirely unknown place. Uh, but I was in Maryland for, let's see, 12, 12 years. Let's see, I moved there in like, yeah, about 12 years. And I, I really loved Maryland. Um, I was living in Frederick prior to moving to Minnesota. And that if you ever get a chance to, to go uh, visit Frederick, Maryland, it is the coolest little town. It's Civil War era town, um, but like the coolest little downtown area, really nice shops and great restaurants. And so I, I definitely miss uh, Frederick, but of course I moved to Minnesota because at the time my fiance was here and uh, we're, we just got married in June. Congratulations. Uh, and thank you. Thank yeah. you. And so I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I love the parish that I'm serving at. In 15 some years of ministry, I've never had an assembly that sings like this assembly. And so that's been super fun to, to, to work with. That's about all you could ask for as, as yeah. a music minister, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. That's cool. Okay. So we'll, we'll fit in uh, one casual type question before we wrap up here. <laughs> so with us, summer obviously coming to an end now, but what are some favorite summer hobbies that you like to do when you do have some free time? Well, Bex and I, um, my wife, who's also a GIA composer, we have uh, lately been really into kayaking. That's been uh, fun. Yeah. Um, and of course, in the in the state of a thousand lakes, I mean, right. what else are you going to do? Of course, um, you know, this past summer with uh, the pandemic, there hasn't been a ton that we can do like there would be in normal years. But usually, like anyone who knows me, my favorite thing in the world is food. So uh, just trying to learn about and explore the the food scene in the Twin Cities has been uh, super fun lately. Um, I finally got to go see the Minnesota Orchestra for the first time uh, last week. I'm looking forward to doing a lot of that. And of course, the theater scene in the Twin Cities is, is, is great. So I'm, I'm really hoping and praying that they're going to be able to continue and that, um, you know, in a safe way and that, Definitely. you know, uh, that vaccination trends and all of that keep going in the right direction. Um, so that we're able to to get back to enjoying all those things. Okay, excellent. Can't thank you enough again for for carving out the time today, Zach. We'll wrap up on on this question here. Apologies in advance, kind of a broad question, but a, a good way to kind of wrap us up here. So what's next for Zach Sachowski? Well, a couple of things in the works that I'm really excited about. Um, with uh, Matt Reichert, I've started to uh, write some resources these are actually with 23rd Publications, the first of which uh, released a couple years ago, A Future with Hope, which is a guide for praying with and writing prayer with uh, young people, kind of based on the work that we've done at the One Call Institute. And a lot of that um, actually also features a lot of resources and music from GIA as well. And then akin to that, what we have coming out this summer or maybe early fall 
is a resource called As Without End We Acclaim, which is a sacramental prep resource for teachers, parents, um, young people preparing for first communion. It's Mm kind of like filling in all of those liturgical gaps of formation that don't always happen in the course of first communion prep. So things as simple as like, here's a guide for learning to sing the Holy Holy or the Lamb of God, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, rooting it in their own personal prayer life and things like that. So I'm super excited about that. Working on uh, finishing up some other uh, text settings for the Unbound series uh, with Adam. Um, I'm really looking forward uh, to those. And then, of course, just continued work with uh, the One Call Institute. We have some planning meetings coming up. I'll ask everyone to just hold us in prayer as we look toward 2022, um, right. hoping that we can be back to our summer program on, on the campus of St. John's. Okay, excellent. And again, you could find Zach's uh, newest project with GIA, The Seven Last Words of Christ, at www.giamusic.com. And of course, you could also explore uh, Matt and Zach's products with 23rd Publications. That's www.23rdpublications.com. So feel free to go there and take a look at, at what we got to offer. Okay, we are done, Zach. Thank you very thank much, you so my much. friend. This has I been really awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah thank you so no, much, Tony. Thank you. All Have right, a good one. Bye. Thanks again to Zach for coming on the show. We hope you enjoyed that interview. From now until September 13th, we will offer 10% off Zach's newest project from GIA, The Seven Last Words of Christ. Use code ENCORE10 at checkout. That's E-N-C-O-R-E and the number 10. We appreciate you tuning in to episode 12 of Encore. Our next episode will be a preview of the new Gather 4 hymnal. Stay tuned to GIA's social media channels and soundboard.giamusic.com for updates, as you won't want to miss this episode. Until next time, take care, everyone. Mm -hmm.